Okay. Hear the word of the Lord from Mark 7, verses 31 through 37. Again, leaving the region of Tyre, he went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, through the region of Decapolis. They brought him a deaf man who, was di who had difficulty speaking and begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. So he took him away from the crowd in private. After putting his fingers in the man's ears and spitting, he touched his tongue. Look up to heaven, he sighed deeply and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be open. Immediately his ears were open, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak clearly. He ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more they proclaimed it. They were extremely astonished and said, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the word of the Lord. Mission up, chapter seven today. Um, yeah, I've had a good time going through the book of Mark. When you when you preach through a book of the Bible, you kind of you feel like you start to live in that book. You start to understand uh, what that author is trying to communicate. Um, so as we jump in, I have a question for you: Who here has felt exhaustion and frustration? Oh man, unanimous. All right, okay, okay. I'm glad y'all were honest. <laughs> I know, I know y'all well enough, and I know uh, that, that some of y'all, I've been in moments where some of y'all felt that, that gut or that bone level, exhaustion and, and frustration, where it comes from the deep place in your heart. And what we can learn from the text today is that Christ Jesus understands what that feels like. He has, he has lived in that, that moment of exhaustion and frustration. What I really want to highlight to you in this text is if you look at, uh, at, at verse 34, it says, He looked up to heaven and he sighed deeply. You ever sighed deeply? You know, you know that, 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 that doesn't come just, just easily or, or just because you're having a, a somewhat kind of a bad day. That, that comes from a deep place of pain, okay? And so Jesus came to feel the sigh and the groan of our sin and brokenness so that he could deliver us from our sin and brokenness. Let's ask for his help. Jesus, please open up your word to our minds that we could understand what you want to teach us this morning. Lord, Lord I, I pray that you would um, order what I would say, that I would speak what you want me to speak. Lord, please pastor and care for your church this morning. In your name, amen, amen. All right, so we're going to look at verses 31 to 32, and it's going to be a theme that you've heard me say a lot in the book of Mark. The theme is this, bring your friends to Jesus. 31, it says, again, leaving the region of Tyre, he went by the way uh, of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee through the region of Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had difficulty speaking and begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. What has been interesting is, is as I've been going through the book of Mark, I feel like I have a point that is this exact point in every single sermon. 
And I think Mark is trying to make a point here. Mark, Mark is trying to say, listen, listen, just as it is a common thing in the Gospels for friends to bring other friends to Jesus, it should be a common thing in your life. People need more than what human help can provide. There, there are people around me who need more help than I can provide. I have to connect them to the soul doctor, to the spiritual healer, to the help that comes from the Lord. And I believe if we look at, at that time and we see them bringing their friends to Jesus, you're like, well, didn't they have an easier job? Jesus is literally right there. They could take their friend by the hand and say, he's right there. Let's, let's go talk to Jesus. If Jesus was just down the street, could we not just take people to him? But listen, Jesus has made promises of where he will be. Jesus has promised to be present in prayer and worship. Matter of fact, in, in the Psalms it says, it says that, that, that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. Have you felt the presence of Jesus during worship? Have you felt? Yeah, okay, yeah, we felt that. I was Actually, I was talking to one of our summer interns. We were talking about what improvements that we could make to youth ministry. And she said, I think we need to sing. I said, why do you think we need to sing? She said, because when I sing, I feel Jesus' presence. And I want them to feel Jesus' presence too. So we know if, if we come to him in prayer and we come to him in worship and praise, we know that he is present. So we might not be able to take someone to the physical body of Jesus, but when we take them to a place of prayer and worship, we take them to the presence of Jesus. He's present in Scripture and in preaching. One of my favorite stories is at the end of the book of Luke, after Jesus rose from the dead, he's explaining the scriptures to two, to two disciples. And after he got done explaining, the disciples said to one another, our hearts were burning inside of us when he explained the scripture to us. Have you met God in scripture before? All right, one of the, the coolest things uh, about, about being a preacher is that you get to be surprised at what God does through you. I don't come up here expecting like, like that I'm awesome, but when, I, when I'm talking to people and they're like, well, when you said such and such, God spoke to me. And I'm like, wow, look at God doing that thing. Listen, listen, the constant testimony of the church is that God speaks through his preached word. Has God spoken to you through preaching? And, and has he not promised to be where people gather together, where there is fellowship? I, I, I heard another testimony this week from a different intern, and he was talking about how, how he learned that in the church, in the community of the church, he felt the belonging that Christ had for him. Have you felt that before? So listen, listen, it, it, it could be real frustrating. Go, well, I don't know where to take people to, to see Jesus. He's not just standing on the corner. But beloved, you know where he is. So why not take people to him? Yeah? Now, you know how I like to make it plain, right? Bring them to church. <laughs> I don't know how more plainer to get it. Read scripture with people, pray for people, and, and expect that Jesus will fulfill his promise and be where he said he is going to be. I, I love, if you look at the, the text, and they're coming to Jesus with, with this man who's deaf and he has difficulty speaking, and it says they begged Jesus to lay his hand on them. Did, did they ask politely? Were they like, if you have time, Lord? 
No, no, no. They, Jesus, my friend needs help, and I need you to help him. I can't do it on my own. He has no help if it is not coming from you. Beloved, would we beg Jesus in prayer to help those around us? I believe that if we would beg Jesus and that if we would bring our friends, those around our loved ones to where Jesus promises to be, that Jesus will be present to save and to heal. And listen, the way that walks that self out, the way that you know you believe that is if you actually do it. Who around you, you say, man, they need to be near Jesus. And where can you invite them where Jesus promises to be? Let's be about that life. Let's be diligent to bring our friends where we know Jesus promises to be. And let's be bold and ask Jesus to help those who need his help. Now, in verse 33, the text gets a little weird. Y'all might have caught it when she was reading it. It says, so he, Jesus, took him away from the crowd in private. After putting his fingers in the man's ears and spitting, he touched his tongue. What? <laughs> y'all better not. Listen, I saw this YouTube video where, wait, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. This, this pastor wanted to illustrate this, this, and he did this in a sermon. He brought his friend up there. I, like, I slapped somebody in the face and they put some spit on me. Listen, like, like, like that's not the point of the text, all right? But, it, but it's in there for a reason, so we need to figure out why, why is it in there? Why is it in there? First, first, before we get to the nitty-gritty of why did he do that, we need to understand what kind of healing Jesus provides because they brought their friend to Jesus expecting that Jesus would heal him. See, Jesus brings healing uh, from our sinfulness and he makes us holy. Jesus brings healing in our strength, excuse me, healing in our weakness with his strength. When we have people who are struggling with sin and they're struggling with weakness, we bring them to Jesus with this expectation that he will provide help. And what's interesting is that if you pay attention to this text, Jesus took that man and he took him away and they had a meeting one-on-one, -on -one, if you will. See, Jesus often draws us away with him in the process of our healing. In fact, he says explicitly, go to him in the secret place. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 6, says, but when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. You know, one of the things I, I, I love to do with, this is about the third or the fourth year we've had summer interns, but, but I'm, I make them pray. <laughs> I'm like, all right, we're going to go into this room. There's worship music, 30 minutes, good luck. You need to figure out how to be alone with Jesus. You need to figure out what it means to, to pray and to seek. Now, here's the craziest thing. When, I, when we had a, a review afterwards, I was like, how was it? They're like, it was great. I'm like, oh, y'all on some other stuff. Like, like y'all like to pray, praise the Lord. But Jesus meets us when we meet with him by ourselves. That means that if we want healing from our sinfulness, if we want healing for, from our places of weakness, that we would carve out time to be alone with him and that we would expect him to work in us. Now, let's get to the question I know you're asking. Why would Jesus choose to heal the man in this way? Jesus could just say something. There, there, are, there are times in the scripture where Jesus heals somebody and he's not even close to them. They're like, hey, my servant, he's at home sick. Can you heal him? Oh, yeah, he's healed right now. Why, why would he do this? 
Now, I've looked at some commentaries, and some commentaries say that the reason that he took him away was because he couldn't hear, and he wanted to make sure that he was communicating well. And, and some say he used, like, these very physical means, putting the fingers in the ear and the spit and the tongue, all that stuff. He used these very physical means to heal him because he couldn't hear. He's like, I want you to, to, to be clear what I'm doing, how I'm healing you. You can't hear what I'm saying, but let me show you that it's me who is doing it. And the reality is they're kind of reasonable explanations, but we honestly don't know with 100% certainty because the text doesn't say. It doesn't say. It doesn't say why he did it. It doesn't say. So, so this is a side note. We need, we need to be very clear about what the text of Scripture says and don't go further. That, that's, that's the road to, to heresy and false teaching. But if I was that man, I would be glad that I got healed, but I'd be like, Jesus, but why did, could you have done it a different way? <laughs> like, that would, you put your spit on me now. Like, you know, like, like why, why did you do it that way? And here's the truth, is that sometimes Jesus' process of healing and holiness is not the one we would have selected. It's not. If, if we think about our lives, say, I'm at point A, and I want to get to point B, and there's a straight line to get me there, very seldom do you go in that straight line. A lot of times our journey with the Lord is in these nooks and crannies, these ups and downs, like when you're falling down and you're standing up again, you're like, why in the world are you leading me in this way? This is not the way that I would have chosen. Surely there's a more simple way. But it is in God's good wisdom that as he leads us, he often leads us in a way that we wouldn't actually go on our own. We can see this in, in who even wrote the Gospel of Mark. See, see, John Mark, the guy who wrote the Gospel of Mark, he was one of the disciples of Apostle Paul and Apostle Barnabas, and he went on a missionary journey with them. And then he got scared, and he went home. All right, he got scared. He's like, I don't want to do this anymore. He went home. And then they went on a second missionary journey, and Barnabas, Barnabas was like, yo, can we take John Mark? And Paul's like, nah, he a punk. Like, he left us the first time. We're not taking him. And then that actually caused a division between Paul and Barnabas. And in the book of Acts, you're left with this question mark. Is John Mark a punk? Like, what, like, what is he doing? Like, does he get better? Like, like that, if John Mark was choosing his process of maturity, I'm sure he wouldn't have chosen to, got, to get scared and fall away and then have to come back. But we learn that Apostle Peter says later, no, no, John Mark, he's grown. I've discipled him. Matter of fact, John Mark gets the information for the gospel of Mark from Peter, who is discipling him. Listen, his journey in discipleship was not clear and linear and on the up and up all the time. It has some nooks and crannies and ups and downs and stutter starts, all these types of things. It was a squiggly and a swirly line toward the maturity that Jesus wanted him to go to. But Jesus calls us to trust him in our process anyway. So let's just be honest. I, I know, I know y'all. Y'all like, listen, I want to be holy. I want to be healed. I want everything that the Lord wants for me. But if I looked at my life, this is not the way I would have chosen it. Just like demands, like, I'm glad you healed me, Jesus, but why did you spit on me? <laughs> like, listen, I don't know why Jesus does what he does. I can't explain because the text doesn't say, but we know that we can trust him because what happened at the end of the day in the text? The man was healed. <laughs> I don't know why 
I went that squiggly weird line, I don't know why he just didn't lay hands on him or just say something. I don't know, but he got healed. And we can look at our lives like, I don't know why it's going this way or that way or, or why this thing happened or why this thing didn't happen. But regardless, I'm going to trust Jesus that at the end of the day, he will make me holy and he will make me healed. And in verse 34, we, we learn that Jesus feels the pain of our brokenness. It says, looking up to heaven, he sighed deeply and said to him, Epatha, that is, be open. The question that we need to ask for a question is, 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 why did Jesus sigh? Why did he sigh deeply? Sighing is, is, is kind of a, it's like you're frustrated, you're confused. Is not Jesus God? Why would, why would he be frustrated or confused? Jesus feels the pain of our broken and fallen world. He feels it. How do we know? Look, at, he, he's seeing the, the pain of this man. He looks up to God the Father, and he goes, oh. you ever done that before? You saw the pain of like, oh, why is it this way? Listen, what I love about the Gospels is that we get to see a bit of the emotional life of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is not a stoic. He's not emotionless. Which, you should not equate spiritual maturity with stoicism. Because Jesus is the most spiritually mature person that we've ever known, and he cried, okay? So don't, don't make that false equivalency. But here's what you need to understand, is that, that God, before Jesus took flesh, God he, he, he didn't have to feel any frustration or pain. Frustration or pain is when things happen that you didn't expect to happen and that you didn't want to happen. God is omnipresent, all-powerful. Listen, the, the pain does not touch him. Heaven is a happy place. He, he, he doesn't have to be affected with evil. He just banishes evil from his presence. You need to understand that, that the pain that Jesus felt was a choice because he entered into our broken and sinful and fallen world in order to save us. That sigh was a sigh of compassion. The, the, the eye, his eyes of mercy point to the pain of compassion. Listen, I don't know if you've ever felt compassion for someone, but doesn't it kind of hurt? When you, when you feel, you're like, oh, man, you, you, you kind of take on a little bit of, of the pain of what they're going through, and you, and you take it into your own soul. You can see this is what Jesus is doing with that man. He understands the complexities of this man's life, be, be, having this, this disability, being uh, barred from, from various things. And he has all these, these, these um, obstacles in his life, and Jesus is experiencing them. Through that side, you, you can see his frustration about human pain. It's like when he looks up, he goes, Father, ah. And when, when, I, when I walk through life, when I, when, I, when, I, when I really open up my eyes to see what's around me, I find myself doing that thing too, where I look around and I look up and I'm like, what? I mean, just yesterday, me and Jackie were talking about this. Just yesterday, uh, somebody got shot down the street from my house. 
outside of a barbershop, the barbershop I used to go to. And I'm just like, ah, Father. (laughs) Beloved, we experience that because we live in this broken and sinful world. But Jesus chose to come down and dwell among us, to feel the pain of our sighs and groaning. And what's interesting is Jesus knew the end of the story, too. He knew the man would be healed, right? He knew he was going to heal them, but he still felt the pain anyway. Jesus felt the pain anyway. He moves towards the broken sinfulness of our lives, and he chooses to heal us. And in verse 35, we we understand that Jesus frees us to hear and to speak. And verse 35 says, immediately his ears were open, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak clearly. See, the signs of Jesus often point to deeper spiritual realities, right? So, so when Jesus says that he raises the dead, and then we follow the pattern of the New Testament, and the Bible says that we are dead in trespasses and sins, but Jesus makes us alive, he's doing something physical and tangible to point to a deeper spiritual reality. The point of the matter is, we are all born deaf to God's word. Jesus says in Matthew 13, 15, says, For this people's hearts has grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing. They have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts. The reality is there's a point in my life where I heard God's word, but I didn't hear it. You know, just, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it, it was kind of like background noise, but it didn't actually hit my heart. Like, I, I, I could repeat some of the phrases from Scripture and some of the truths about Christianity, but, but, but it didn't hit me to the core. I didn't hear with spiritual ears, but there comes a point when Jesus opens up our ears so that we can truly hear what he's saying. And not only that, listen, we, we, we can't even speak God's word properly without his help. In Romans 3, 13 and 14, it says, it talks about those who are stuck in sin, that it says their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Viper's venom is under their lips. The mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where just nasty stuff just came about my mouth. I didn't have to try. Didn't nobody have to make me. Just stuff, just things that, that, that don't honor him coming at my mouth. But Jesus opens up our lips to declare his praise. Yeah? And Isaiah says, the people that I formed for myself will declare my praise. Listen, we are all born spiritually deaf, spiritually blind, spiritually mute. But Jesus makes us alive. And what's interesting is you see the moment when Jesus loosed that man's mouth and, and, and helped him to be able to hear, he immediately begins to proclaim the worthiness and the praise of Jesus. In verse 36 and 37, it says, he ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more they proclaimed it. They were extremely astonished and said, he has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute to speak. In other words, Jesus said, don't tell nobody. They're like, look, I know you just healed me and everything, but that was so cool, I can't help myself. I got to tell somebody about what you have done for me. 
Now, why, why did Jesus tell them to wait a minute? Jesus wanted to make sure they told the full gospel. He hadn't yet died, right? He, didn't, he hadn't died yet. They, he didn't want them to have the wrong expectation of his mission. Jesus didn't come only to heal, but he came to die as a substitute for our sins on the cross. And Jesus cares that a full gospel is told. There's no gospel without the death of Christ. There's no gospel without his resurrection. There's no gospel without repentance. And we need to be careful about that in our day and age. A lot of times when we talk about the gospel, we don't talk about the suffering aspects of the gospel. Listen, if our Savior walked through suffering, I think we should expect that we should too. We shouldn't be surprised about that. Jesus cares that if we're going to tell people about him, that we tell people the whole truth. Yeah? But the reality is we cannot but speak of the goodness of Jesus. Listen, they, they didn't even have the whole story, y'all. They didn't, they didn't even have the whole story about how Jesus died for sin, about how Jesus reconciled them to the Father, about how Jesus will make all things new. They didn't even have the whole story. They had a bit of what Jesus has done, and they began to proclaim what he's done. Y'all, we have the full story. We know what he has done. The healing that, that will have ramifications for all eternity. We have the full scope of what Christ has done. Why would we not tell others about that? So listen, we, we have to speak up. We have to tell people about Christ. Because the same healing that he has given you, he wants to give others. Now, I, I was talking to a guy one day, and he said sometimes when uh, his old pastor would preach, he would try to dog people from the pulpit. And I, I want to do the exact opposite. I want to I brag on people <laughs> when I'm preaching. You know, I, just this morning, I was talking to Tom. Tom, you know, he's, he's about to be an elder, and he was talking about how he drives past this house every Sunday, and he's like, I really want to, I feel like I want to invite that person to church, but I've been wrestling with it, and then in the winter, she didn't, he didn't see the person, and he said, today I just went by, and, and I just did it, and I just I invited her to church. I gave her the card. I'm telling you that because I want you to know that is, that is worthy of imitation, but the reality is this, is that he understands that Jesus has done something in his heart, and he wants Jesus to do the same in other people's hearts. Our church has a lot of cool things about it. I love that we worship the Lord. I love that we love doctrine. I love that we like to serve. But, but y'all, I want us to be about opening our mouths and telling people about Jesus. Okay? That's, that is where I want us to grow. I, I want us to step out in faith and speak about what Christ has done for us speak about what he has done on the cross because there is power when we share the good news of the gospel. Now we see this theme of Jesus entering suffering in order to deliver us from sin. In fact, Isaiah says that, that, that Jesus was despised and rejected by man, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was that that characterized his entire sojourn on this earth christ entered the pain of this world he he empathized with the pain of others he took our pain on the cross and beloved he rose again so that we could know that the sigh and groan of pain 
will not be the last sound. That, that there will be a, a point where we won't have a sigh and groan anymore. That death, bitterness, sin, suffering, all of it will be done away with. But we live in this in-between time where we have assurance that suffering will be done away with, but we still experience it. And this, this idea of sighing and groaning, that is kind of a theme of the Christian life. That, that's why the sigh of Jesus is so relatable, because you're like, I know what that's like. I have felt that. Here's what Paul says in Romans 8. He says, not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now, in this hope, we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. What is this talking about? Listen, listen, our sighs and our groanings in this life are longing for the fullness of salvation. We're longing for the new creation. We're longing for where Christ comes back and sin and suffering and death are done away with. But the, the, the sighs and the groanings of this life are not only a longing. The scripture says that the sighs and the groanings of this life are Holy Spirit-empowered prayers. That in our weaknesses, the Holy Spirit prays through our groanings? That should encourage you because you, sometimes don't nobody got to tell you to groan. You just feel the pain of life. But even in your feeling and expressing the pain of this life, the spirit of the living God is taking that and transforming that into prayers. Our sighs and groans will be fully answered in the new creation. And what I want us to take, what, the application I want us to take from this teaching is that we do not need to be afraid to move towards people and situations that you know will cause you to sigh and groan. Think about if Jesus done that. Think about if, if, if I know it's going to make me uncomfortable and going to cause me pain, I'm not going to go there. If he did that, we'd be stuck in our sins. But beloved, in those situations, in those messy situations when you're seeking to shine the light of Jesus and it causes you to groan and sigh, that is actually where you find the presence of Jesus. That is where you find Holy Spirit empowered prayer. Listen, listen, I haven't prayed like I've prayed when I've really needed some help. Yeah? And so if you decide to move towards people and situations that actually you know are going to cause you some discomfort and pain, you can actually expect to find the empowerment of the Holy Spirit there. And beloved, when you move towards situations of, of groaning and sighing, that's where you're reminded where your ultimate salvation is. It's not in this world. It's in the one to come. It, listen, you can numb yourself to the pain of this world and fall in love with a world that is passing away. Or you can open yourself up to the realities of pain and put your hope on something that is eternal. 
So, beloved, let, let's, let's be people that, that aren't afraid to follow in our Savior's steps and move towards people, situations, areas that we know are going to cause us to sigh and groan because we can expect Jesus to meet us there, empower us, and to remind us that this is not our home. Jesus came to fill the sigh and groan of sin and brokenness so that he could deliver us from sin and brokenness. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that that it is sometimes this counter to what we would think in our natural minds. But Lord, your ways are above our ways. Your thoughts are above our thoughts. And let us follow you knowing that ultimate wisdom comes from you. Lord, I just want to pray for those who are in a season of life of size and growing. Lord, I pray that your presence, your Holy Spirit presence would be there to empower them to comfort them? Would you let them know that, that their groans and their sighs, that, they, that the Spirit turns that into prayers, that you will draw near to them? And Lord, I pray that our church would, would follow in the steps and the path of Jesus, that we would not be afraid to move towards hard situations, our, our difficult people, because we know that is where we'll find you, where we'll find your work, and where we will be reminded that this world is not our home. In Jesus' name, amen.